0: some brothers of Jesus, the apostles, and some women disciples. And they'll be in this upper room in Jerusalem waiting and praying. The reason why that they will be waiting is because of a promise that Jesus made to them the day before. He promised them that the Holy Spirit was going to come upon them and they were going to be witnesses to the ends of the earth. For 40 days, Jesus, as the resurrected Lord, spent time with the apostles and disciples, teaching them about the kingdom of God, and making promises, promises like, in the same way that John baptized with water, so I am going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And then on that very last day, he promised that the Holy Spirit would come upon them in Jerusalem, and they would be witnesses to the ends of the earth. And so Mary, the brothers of Jesus, the apostles, and some women disciples go to Jerusalem to wait and to pray. And while the text doesn't say this directly, I can't help but imagine that Mary was not just waiting and praying, but she was also smiling. And the reason why she was smiling was because when she heard that promise that the Holy Spirit would come upon her, her mind and her memory were taken all the way back to the first time that she heard the very same promise. This last promise of Jesus to Mary reminded her of the very first promise about Jesus to Mary. And it's that first promise that has become etched into our imaginations and our hearts and our minds, especially around this time of year. Because it's this moment that is a miraculous moment, because Mary in this moment becomes the mother of Jesus. And the reason why it's so miraculous is because it's just so unexpected on so many levels. On one level, it's miraculous because this is the most unexpected of places that God would ever show up. God shows up in an out-of-the-way town that was overshadowed by other larger towns and cities. Think of it as the possum town of the ancient world. And on another level, the story is miraculous because it's such an unexpected person that God is showing up to. God decides to show up to a young, poor girl named Mary. And everything about her causes her to be insignificant within larger society of her time, her gender, her age, her socioeconomic class. This was the last kind of person for God to show up and show favor to. And then on a final level, this story is miraculous because it's such an unexpected process by which God is going to show up. God tells Mary that that he is going to show up. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon her. And the Most High is going to overshadow her and she is going to to be with the Son of God. I particularly love the painting behind me because I think it captures well the unexpected nature of this moment. This very plain and ordinary young woman who is confronted by this angel. God shows up to the most unexpected of person, through the most unexpected of process, in the most unexpected of places. And that is miraculous. As we read Mary say those powerful words, here I am, a servant of the Lord, may it be unto me according to your word. And in that moment we're witnessing a miracle because we're witnessing Mary become the mother of Jesus. And yet there is this other angle on the story that I think is important for us to notice. There's this other angle on Mary that I think is particularly important for us to pay attention to. Uh, and, And that is simply that in this moment, Mary is not just becoming the mother of Jesus, Mary is also becoming a disciple of Jesus. And I intentionally use that phrase, becoming a disciple, because what often happens when we read this story is we read it far too quickly. And we don't pay attention to all that happens within Mary and with Mary before she finally gets to the place of trust. There's a lot of hesitation and reservation. There are a lot of reactions that Mary gives before she gets to the place where she says yes to God. This angel comes to her and tells her, seemingly out of nowhere, you are blessed and have the favor of God. And Mary's response to that is this twofold reaction. Luke tells us that she was greatly troubled and wondered what sort of greeting this might be. This first word, greatly troubled, is is interesting because it's a word that's not used anywhere else in the New Testament. But it communicates this sense of her being bothered or confused or perplexed by this news, which totally makes sense because she was the last possible person you would expect that God would show favor to and bless. And the second response of her is equally as intriguing. She wonders about what kind of greeting this is. She ponders it. She chews on it. The word used here echoes our modern word dialogue. So the the image given of Mary in this scene is her having this internal dialogue with herself. And I particularly appreciate the second response of Mary because it gives me biblical precedent for talking to myself. If Mary can do it, So can I. Mary hears this news and and she's puzzled. And she ponders what sort of greeting it might be. And so the angel sees this obvious reservation on the part of Mary and so the angel begins to tell her a little bit more about why she has the blessing and favor of God. And this angel goes on to say that, that this child that she is going to be with is going to be a king unlike any other whose kingdom is going to reign forever and ever. That Mary is going to be pregnant, and this child will be of king-like stature. And Mary, at this moment, allows that internal dialogue to become an external dialogue, and she doesn't even get to the king part because she's kind of tripped up by the first part of what the angel says. And so she poses this question, how can this be, since I am a virgin? How can I be pregnant if I have never been with a man before? Mary's second response is a question to the angel. And so the angel, for a third time, tells more to Mary about what is happening And the angel goes on to say that that what is going to happen to Mary is not going to be like anything that's ever happened, but the Holy Spirit is going to come upon her. The Most High is going to overshadow her, and she is going to be with the Son of God. This isn't just going to be a kingly child. This is going to be a divine child. And this is the moment in the story where I think we read it far too quickly. Because based upon Mary's first two responses, perplexed and puzzled and asking some questions, I think a little time elapsed before we finally get to this closing statement of trust for Mary. Where she finally says, Here I am, the servant of the Lord May it be unto me according to your word. Mary finally gets to that place of trust and obedience. Mary finally gets to that place of submission. Mary finally becomes a disciple. Before Mary can become the mother of Jesus, she must first become a disciple of Jesus. And what we're witnessing here in this moment Is Mary struggling to get to a place of trust and submission? Struggling to get to that place of discipleship? And yet I think this is such an important angle for us to read this story through because I think Mary's journey to trust, Mary's journey to believe, Mary's journey to obedience takes some time and some questions, some hesitation and some reservation. In fact, I would say that that Mary's short episode here with the angel kind of is a microcosm of the entire journey of faith. It's one small snapshot into what the entire journey of faith really looks like. I still remember the first time that my professor drew faith on the board. Uh, This professor was one of my favorites that I'd ever had. He was a favorite of mine from day one. Every day he would walk into class and he would have a Bible in his hand, he would have a few dry erase markers and he would have a roll sheet. And he would set those things at the podium and for the next 30 to 45 minutes he would give some of the most compelling lectures that I'd ever heard. And the reason why he stayed one of my favorite professors over that semester was as the semester progressed, he didn't just end up sharing his knowledge with us, he also began to share his heart. And he shared about his struggles with faith. He shared about some losses that he had gone through. He shared about some ups that he had experienced and some downs. And there was this one day in particular that he went up to the dry erase board and he took a black dry erase marker and he drew a graph. He drew an x-axis down and he drew a y-axis across. And he took out a red dry erase marker and at the bottom left of that graph he began to draw a straight smooth line all the way to the top right. And he stepped back from the dry erase board and he let us look at this graph for a second. And then he went back up to the dry erase board and he grabbed that black dry erase marker and he drew an x-axis down and a y-axis across, a second graph next to the first. And he took that red dry erase marker and he started at the bottom of the graph and he began to draw up to the right, but instead of a smooth straight line, what he looked like he was drawing was more like the jagged edge of a mountain rising to the top. And then he stepped back from the board and he let us look at these two pictures in front of us for a few seconds. And then he said that the journey of faith for a lot of people looks like this. And he pointed to the very first graph. That straight, smooth line. He said a lot of people think that the journey of faith is a straight, smooth sailing journey up and to the right. And then he said but those people are wrong. And then he went over to the second picture that he had drawn, and he said, this is what the journey of faith really looks like. A series of ups and downs, but all of them together over time, causing us to become the kinds of people that God wants us to become. And when he first told this story, and when I first saw those two images, I thought that this professor was just kind of giving a personal picture of his own view of faith. But the more that I read scripture, and the more that I studied these heroes of faith, the more I realized that he wasn't drawing a personal definition of faith, he was drawing this biblical view of faith. Because the more that I studied men and women of faith throughout scripture, the more I saw that that their stories and their journeys were these series of ups and downs, failures and successes, hesitations and affirmations. And that's what we see in Mary. Not just in this short episode of trust with the angel that she eventually gets to, but a a wide-angle lens on Mary's life shows much of the same. Because this is the same Mary who with some other family members, go to Jesus one day. They hear about these confrontations and these exorcisms and, and these healings that Jesus has carry out, and they go to him to restrain him because they say that he is out of his mind. Mary thinks Jesus is crazy. And there's that other time where, where Mary is at a wedding with Jesus in Cana. And Mary nudges Jesus towards some divine action during the wedding. And Jesus lets her know that she misunderstands what he's about and when he is supposed to be about it. Mary misunderstands God's timing. And then there will be that moment at the foot of the cross, where Mary, along with some other disciples, are looking up at Jesus as he hangs on the cross in pain and defeat and eventually death. And there Mary walks through the valley of the shadow of death. But then there will be that last moment we see Mary where she's in an upper room in Jerusalem waiting and praying. She's in an upper room in Jerusalem in a posture of trust and obedience. But her long journey of faith throughout her life puts her at a place at the very end of her journey in a posture of trust that was the same exact posture that started her journey decades before. And that's the frame that that I think is important for us to to view Mary's life through. This frame of trust and obedience, while it took her some time to get to at the beginning of her journey, through all the ups and downs of her life is still the place that she ends her journey. And what's beautiful about this posture of Mary, of trusting obedience, of of being willing to submit to God is that when she does it propels her story forward and it moves her deeper into God's story. Then when Mary gets to that place where she says, here I am the servant of the Lord may it be unto me according to your word that with that act of trust to God, she begins moving more towards who God wants her to be. But what's interesting is it's not just Mary's story that's being propelled here, but it's also the story of God. That by Mary having an act of trust and obedience, the Gospel of Luke begins to tell this beautiful story of Jesus. Because Mary was willing to trust At the beginning. And that posture of obedience will be the same thing that defines those early men and women huddled there in a room in Jerusalem with the same exact posture together. This posture of prayer, this posture of trust and obedience, it's because of that posture that they take as a community. Their story is about to propel forward in a way they could never imagine because they're about to become Witnesses to the ends of the earth. And it's not just their story that's going to move them along further into who God wants them to be, but it's also this moment where the story of God continues out in the world because the church will be birthed and launched. You see, this act of trust and obedience by Ma- Mary births Jesus, and this act of trust and obedience by the church births this new community And movement, because that's the way God works. When we trust, when we submit, and those ups and those downs, He moves us further along in our journey, and we move deeper into the story of God. And so, I don't know if if for you it looks like a child that's unexpectedly thrown into your arms. I don't know for you if it's this opportunity to serve that doesn't quite fit your timeline. I don't know if it's a decision that you make in faithfulness that makes your family think you're crazy. Whenever we can say, here I am, servant of the Lord, let it be unto me according to your word, our journey moves more towards who God wants us to become. And it moves the story of God further And that's the thing we can never forget, that it's not ultimately my story, it's not ultimately your your story, but it's the story of God. It's the story of God entering the world in the most unexpected and unpredictable of ways. It's the the story of God working with men and women in their ups and their downs along the journey of faith. It's the story of God saving the world through suffering love. It's this story of God coming upon the early church by the power of his spirit, pouring out on all sons and daughters so that all sons and daughters can prophesy and be witnesses to the ends of the earth. It's this story of God continually working with men and women who are willing to submit and to trust no matter where they are. So that's my prayer for you, and that's my prayer for me, not just this season, not just this week, but through the rest of our journey, that you and I could get to the place, whether we're at a up or whether we're at a down, whether we're mixed with hesitation and reservation or we're at a spot of affirmation, that we will continue to return to these words of Mary and they'll become our words. And, and so that we can say no matter where we are here we are servants of the lord let it be unto us according to your word let's pray father we're grateful for the ways in which you continue to move your story ahead through all different kinds of people in all different kinds of situations that are unexpected and miraculous. No matter where we are today, I pray that you would soften our hearts and you would help us in those big moments, but especially in those small everyday moments to be people who trust, to be people who obey, to be people who submit to your word and your will. And we pray these things. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have any response to the invitation this morning, if you're at a place where, like we sang earlier, you want to experience a new birth, baptism is this ultimate act of saying, I submit, I trust, I want to start this journey of faith. If you would like to be baptized this morning, or if you would like things for you prayed about, we'll have shepherding Couples in the back, whatever your need is, come while we stand and sing.